That wasn't me making fun I know. of you. <laughs> I know. It's just that time of year. Every... Yeah, my nose is really runny this morning. Yeah. Which is funny. Not that your nose was runny, but that you are also congested because my nose isn't runny, but I feel it going down my throat. Yeah. Once I started, um, <clears throat> like, moving around and going downstairs and I had to go outside to get some ice so I could make my mm. iced peppermint mocha. You had to, and... wait, you had to go outside to get ice? Yeah, because we don't have ice trays in our freezer. We don't like them. So we just have a bag of ice out in the big deep freezer. Uh, okay. For some reason, I was thinking you, like, just <clears throat> chopped ice off a oh, yeah, block. Oh, yeah, like, chip it off. Grace, it's yeah. not cold enough for a block of ice. What are you doing? <laughs> are you insane? It would have melted last night. <laughs> well... <laughs> Welcome to Myths and Misfortunes. I am Grace. That is Rachel. I am Rachel. That is Grace. Thank you so much for joining us again. This is my giant tomato. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is our month end special something episode. Yeah. Episode two? Episode two. Okie dokie doke. Why did you sound like like Alanis Morissette singing but like talking? (laughs) I don't know because I don't even know who that is. Mm. It's ironic. <laughs> Do I need to look this up real fast? No, she's... Yeah. It? Okay, 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 okay. Alright, so on this special month in special something, 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 mess, on our mess episode this month. Yes. It really is a mess because my story is The Midnight Man. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. And actually, the Midnight Man is a game more so than a personification. Okay. So, uh, my sources are medium.com, theghostinmymachine.com, creepypasta.fandom.com, hideandgokill.fandom.com, <laughs> wikihow-fun.com, ihorror.com, reddit.com, whatpad and quote v.com. I thought I had a lot of sources. It was a lot of sources, but not a lot of differing information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so according to some, the Midnight Man game supposedly has pagan roots. Okay. Um, it said that those who doubted the power of the gods or offended the gods had to perform this ritual in order to either be scared straight or killed. You know, oh. no in-between. No in-between. No in-between. So nowadays, anyone who shares information about this game does so with big, giant, flashing warnings to their viewers, or in our case, listeners, do not play this game. We're going to tell you, like, all about it, but don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah, don't, don't do, do it. it. And really don't. Even if you don't believe in it, just don't. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 
No, you're not. <laughs> anyway, he is called the Midnight Man because this ritual must take place at exactly midnight. And the goal of the game is to survive from midnight until 3.33 a.m. without the Midnight Man catching you. If he catches you, it's game over. You lose. What happens? We will get there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. In order to... I don't to... know why I'm expecting you to wrap up this entire thing in like three seconds. I mean, I could, but I was trying to make this into an episode length. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... In order to play the game, each person needs a paper and pencil, a candle, a pen needle, and for your safety, salt. You know, every white witch needs salt, so salt. All of the lights must be off in the house, apartment, townhouse, condo, living space, whatever. And you must have a wooden front door. If you have multiple wooden doors and multiple players, you can use different doors. What if you have a wooden door with... A glass cutout. That's a good question. I do not know the answer. <laughs> um, I would assume it has to be a solid wooden door mm. so that you can't see it. Also, you have to, like, open the door at one point. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. Each person playing must write their full name on a piece of paper, you know, first, middle, last. Then you will use the needle, and please be health conscious, do not share needles, and prick your finger, being sure to drop some of that blood on a on the paper with your name on it. You cannot use someone else's blood on your paper or this will not work and this is considered cheating. The Midnight okay. Man does not like cheating. Hmm. And he does not take kindly to cheating at his game, so do not. Each person will then place their bloodied piece of paper in front of the door. They will then light a candle each, placing your candle on top of your piece of paper and knock on the door 22 times. The 22nd knock has to happen at midnight exactly or the game will not work. Then you need to open the front door, blow out your candles, close the door. This will summon the Midnight Man. Mm. Immediately then relight your candle and begin slowly moving through your house. You cannot stay in one spot the entire game or he will find you. Do not fall asleep while playing the game. Do not leave the house while playing the game. Do not use a lighter or any other light source other than the candle. Do not turn on lights during the game and do not do anything to provoke the Midnight Man. So you're playing hide and seek with a scary spirit. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Yikes. If the Midnight Man is near you, you may suddenly feel the room get cold, hear a loud whisper, or see a humanoid figure peering at you from the darkness. If your candle blows out, you must relight it within 10 seconds. If you cannot relight the candle within those 10 seconds, it is highly recommended that you surround yourself with a circle of salt. Oh no. If you do not, the Midnight Man is said to attack you and torture you with hallucinations of your worst fears and even rip out your organs and kill you. <gasps> oh my god. Mm-hmm. Until 3.33 a.m. But, you know, if you're killed, you're, you're just dead, so... I could hold on to my organs <laughs> just long enough. At this point, he uh, supposedly leaves and you are safe to room around your house as normal. But be careful because apparently after you summon him, he is always watching you. Oh. Even no. after 3.33. So that's why I'm Ooh. like, no, don't do this. So there are a few stories I found of people playing this game. 
and oh, I am God. going to read them word for word from Reddit. Oh, okay. Specifically, the No Sleep Reddit. Ironically, both users have since deleted their accounts. Okay. I don't know if that means anything or they just grew out of Reddit. Did they... Midnight Man got him. Yeah, <laughs> the Midnight Man got him. Okay, so the first one says... Okay, so a while ago, a friend of mine sent me an intriguing URL saying, I suggest we do this sometime. Of course, I'm talking about the Midnight Game, which everybody here in Reddit No Sleep has known about for a couple of years at least. If you're unfamiliar, here's a set of rules. Repeat everything I just told you. Okay. Okay, so he says, a couple of other things to mention. I have seen renditions of this where it is said that the Midnight Man will make you hallucinate your fears. From the experience I had from 12 a.m. to 3.33, I either think that part is not super integral to my experience, or I didn't fuck up bad enough to hallucinate. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it is taken as direct provocation to try to chide the Midnight Man. I will explain my colossal fuck-up a bit further down in Might I Say It's Gold. Oh, man. man. I, like most generic Redditors, don't have any belief in the supernatural, and I like to test little things like this as a way of amusing myself. Certainly amusing me. It certainly is very amusing. And until this weekend, I've had zero respect for anything of this sort. I came into this sub to read Creepypasta, but I'd never had a genuine paranormal experience to the best of my knowledge. Just this past Friday, I remembered suddenly when my friend told me about the Midnight Game. Since I wouldn't have an opportunity, or since I wouldn't have an opportune time to do this otherwise, as I live with my mother and she's been spending the night often at my grandparents' house to help care for them. I call Ryan up and ask if he's still in, which he replies, and this is verbatim, shit fucking yeah, I've been waiting for this call. Shit fucking yeah. (laughs) Splendid. My friend, who we will call Ryan because his name is Ryan, Picks up two giant-ass Morton Salts shakers on the way over at 10. Alright. Ryan is basically the same as me, smart-ashes about things like this, but still a little apprehensive of the dark. And, as he admitted when he told me about it, he would never do this on his own, but would totally if someone else was with him. Uh, so before I continue, I figure I'll give you a picture of my house interior. If you don't want to look at or don't care to, that's fine for the most part, but I have to draw your attention to the two photos of my back room. While that room was definitely a mess before we played the game, it wasn't nearly like that. The back room, called a Florida room, is basically a quarter of the house's square footage, so we naturally wanted to include it so we would have as much space as possible. I'll explain how it got to be at the absolute wreck it is now as I go through the chronology of the night. All the times are roughly accurate. I was wearing an analog watch and could check it every so often. At 11.55 p.m., Ryan and I are getting our materials ready so we can write, prick, and knock at all the allotted time spans. Ryan suggests that we throw throw the fuse since turning on the lights means losing the game. But I don't really feel comfortable with fumbling around with all that. We just needed to be disciplined about not turning anything with power on and we'll be good. 11.59 to 12 a.m., we execute our name cards really well, and I end up doing the honor of the knocking. Ryan helps me synchronize the knocks, and I get it right on the dot. We blow out our candles and re-enter, lighting them again. As soon as we both have things lit, Ryan lets out an, (laughs) ooh, and we both laugh. 
and relax a little, as you do. 12 a.m. to 12.45, you're supposed to move around or the midnight man is able to find you or something. So we creep slowly, tracing the walls and staying in the more open rooms. We start to go towards my bedroom, but Ryan says he feels like I could be too cramped. Both of our candles are doing just fine, and as Florida nights are this time of year, the house is as hot as expected. As we walk around, we talk and joke a little bit that we are definitely both nervous to some degree. 12.45 to 12.55, Ryan asks me if we're allowed to eat during the game. (laughs) (laughs) we just take a quick trip through the kitchen? I actually hadn't a clue and told him to go for it if he can avoid opening the fridge, since I'm sure the light would disqualify them us from the game yeah i actually don't know what he ate but i forgot to ask and was distracted by what he said when he came back into the living room with a mouthful he says when is the night man supposed to arrive and god damn it god damn it i wish he hadn't said that because i reply with night man that's and in a moment, I regret more than anything, I began to say, Day man, uh, 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 champion of the night, uh, 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 uh. Ryan chimes in, and in an instant, both of us are singing The Night Man Cometh from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, God. <laughs> Doing that was the single most stupidest thing I did because the night was not the same from that point on. Mm. 12.58 a.m., the only reason that I remember the exact time is I was looking at my watch by candlelight when the motherfucker just went out. Oh. I didn't think I could panic like such a little girl, and I quickly relit it in no more than five seconds. Shit, that was close, I say, or something like that. And Ryan looks at me silently. He makes a weird face, and I ask him what's wrong. What did you say, he asks, and I repeat myself. I said, shit. That was close. And he waves his hand and says, no, no, I heard that. What did you say right after that? Apparently he heard me whispering words immediately following what I'd said. We move over closer to the bathroom and the hallway pretty quickly. My house is way too small for this, so this would freak me out. My house is the right size, but I'm not going to play this game. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. You have so many doors, you could just keep going. No, 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 no. 1.25 a.m., we've been walking around slowly, but with a bit more purpose than before. No more joking around, no more talking between us except necessary communication. We both feel uh, we both feel a little more humbled than when we had started. We both start to go from my bedroom towards my mom's room, and that's when I look to the right into the hallway bathroom. There's a fucking figure there just standing in the tub, part oh. obscured by the drawn curtain. Our (laughs) Our candles remain intact, so I grab Ryan's shirt firmly and speed walk towards the kitchen. Ryan didn't even ask me what was going on. Once we got to the far end of the kitchen, I asked him if he saw it too, and he did. At this point, Ryan asked me if there was anything in the rules that let you opt out of the game. He really didn't want to continue, but he was too scared to turn on the lights and find out what happened from there, so he continued with me. I don't know what I'd have done if he left. 1.40 a.m., we're staying in the kitchen and the garage area, going back and forth between them, and I'm, and I'm basically holding my breath whenever we go through a threshold, since I just expect to see him standing there. Things seem to calm down a bit until around this time, 
I realize something horrible. Ryan, I ask, where is this salt that you bought? I didn't ask him because I didn't know, but because I didn't want to have to say it. He answered just as I thought he would. Your bedroom. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Son of a whore. <clears throat> Son of a whore. <laughs> That's what oh my God. <laughs> we talk it over for a minute and basically conclude that we absolutely need the salt if things go wrong. So we start towards my room. Okay. 1.45 a.m., even though the kitchen and the bedroom are barely more than a 10-second sprint from one another, we don't dare do that. Any quick motion is basically just begging for your candle to go out, and I can't mm-hmm. help but feel like running will provoke him. We inch our way towards the hall, and finally we have the same view of the bathroom that we had prior. I make myself look because I can't not. If he's still there, I want to know, and nothing. I just see a dark bathroom and nothing but that. I think that was the most relieved I felt all game. Which is stupid, because as other players have mentioned, it seems like optimism is enough to draw him to you. I walk through the hallway and into my bedroom, and I can see the giant cylinders of salt sitting right in front of my computer monitor. As soon as I grab one of them, the room goes cold. Of all the fucking rooms in my house, that never gets cold. It's my bedroom. My bedroom is the hottest in the house due to the shitty insulation, and yet I suddenly have the urge to shiver. I turn around immediately with a salt shaker in hand and another under my arm, and motherfucker. 1.47 a.m., two things immediately catch my eye. A, I don't see Ryan, who had been behind me up until the hallway to the bedroom. I do, however, see the glow of his candle coming from around the corner. I take a a moment to wonder why he didn't come in to help me, since I only have one free hand due to the other grasping a candle. And I get my fucking answer. B. The subtlest, most disturbing bob of a head to my left, right over my bed. No. I swear to you Hold all. Up. Sorry. <laughs> my, I had to put my feet up. Okay. That's fine. I swear to you all, there was a figure just sitting in the middle of my bed, and his head had just moved. Between the cold, the lack of Ryan near me, and now this man who is silently perched on my bed, I lose my shit. I run straight out the door, my candle miraculously staying lit, but I drop the salt shaker that I had in my armpit. Oh my god. But I emerged with only one of them. I expect Ryan to get mad at me, but I round the corner and his eyes are so wide that I become startled again. Go, 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 he says right before his candle goes out. I feel awful for this, but I kept looking back to the kitchen, turning around as soon as candlelight reappears from behind. I don't know how long it took him, but it definitely didn't exceed 10 seconds. I tried to apologize to him, and he tells me that, in all honesty, he'd he'd have done the same. Every man for himself. Yeah. Yep. 1.50 a.m. to 2.30 a.m., we decide to basically avoid the east part of the house, since both times seeing him involved him in my bathroom or bedroom. And the living room was where my candle had gone out the first time. We also discussed the salt shaker situation, coming to the mutual decision that if one of our candles fails, that person will circle themselves and give the shaker to the other person to continue on. At this point, that happening is my biggest fear. For Ryan's candle to go out, him have to plant himself in the house 
and me have to go traversing on my own for the rest of it. Even though we had a 40-minute period of absolutely nothing, there wasn't a single ounce of relief to come with each passing minute. Relief felt like weakness to me, and weakness felt like something the Midnight Man would see. 12.30 to 12.40 a.m., we decided to go into the Florida room for the first time all night. It extends so long across the house that I feel like there are so many chances to see him just lurking. But I feel like staying in the kitchen and garage and dining area is going to do us in, so we enter. We have a tiny bit of light coming through the terraced windows from streetlights on the avenue next to ours, but is barely a glow. This room is still very, very much dark, and we do the only thing we can think of. Pace up and down it slowly, hoping that the last hour or so will go well. I thought you said piss for a second, and then I realized you said paste. paste. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I mean, like, that's a weird thing to do in that situation. <laughs> they probably did, in all honesty, though. Mm. 12.45 a.m., if you looked at the pictures, which we did not, so we're just going to explain it, you'll see that there's a futon at one end of the room. Ryan and I just sat on it to rest for just a few minutes, since we'd basically been on our feet since midnight. Like an idiot, I let myself get hopeful at what time it was, how we would be done with this nonsense in a really short period, and how we survived the He is right fucking there. I look up and see the blinds parted just a smidgen, and before I even look up and see the darkened figure, I get off the bed and dart straight ahead. I run about halfway through the room, and in the most terrifying second of my whole life, something comes crashing down on me. My overactive imagination can only assume one thing. The Midnight Man materialized through the glass slider and pounced on me like a fucking hunter from Left for Dead. (laughs) But after a second or two, I realize that what's on me is flat and scratchy. Ryan shouts out from behind. At first, I assume it's because... He saw me get hit by the chunk of ceiling that had just swiped the side of my fucking head. But no, his candle has gone out again. Still holding mine, I turn, a great deal of pain still on my mind, and see him booking it towards me. Light your candle, I yell, but he doesn't respond to that. I notice now that he isn't even holding his candle anymore, but the salt shaker. He does something that I had never even thought of. He starts pouring a salt circle around the both of us in an amorphous boundary that seems to connect just fine. And it's absolutely huge. Even though I have a lit candle, I'm inside of it with him, and his face looks absolutely horrified. I have a brief terror of now I have to go play by myself for the rest of the night, which is followed immediately by sudden realization, no, I don't. And I blow out my candle. Twelve fifty to three thirty-three a.m. Oh Christ! I I almost don't even want to talk about this part. The first thing my mind conceives upon blowing out the candle is that I made a really fucking stupid decision. This yeah. is followed by reminding myself that I'm already in a salt circle, and Ryan even says to me, "Good, good. I'm really glad you did that." The two of us are just sitting on this disgusting floor. The salt border honestly looking more of an acorn than a circle. But there aren't any gaps. We sit and there is nothing but complete silence. 
My peoples are still getting cozy with the idea of dilating after all of that candle time, but I swear I'm seeing movement over the futon where we had been. Mm. I don't ask Ryan to turn and look with me. I just want it to end. Throughout the nearly three-quarter hour we spent in the cramped salt acorn, we both got chills at completely separate times. I heard a whisper, no, 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 like a mantra for about 30 seconds. And when I looked at Ryan to comfort him, I'm horrified to say that he isn't the one saying it. Mm, By the time the watch hit 3.33, we hadn't moved. We didn't leave the damn thing until at least 3.40. Both slowly and silently, we got up and turned every light on in the house. The afterword of this whole experience, I went to the bathroom to see what kind of mark that ceiling piece had left. And as you could see, well, as you can't see because I didn't include pictures, the piece of ceiling that fell was clearly part of an already deteriorating room. The rest of the ceiling had fallen last summer, but there was no activity back there since. The fact that another large chunk would just fall as we're playing midnight game right after seeing him and right as I'm underneath it is staggeringly horrible. It's been a few days, so it isn't nearly as bad as it was, but there is a small gash that I was left with. Mm -hmm. I've had horrible nightmares the past two nights. Horrible. People I know in places from my childhood, they'll be talking to me normally and calmly, and then suddenly their eyes are pupilless, and their tongue is wagging almost as absurdly creepy as the original Evil Dead. He says, only realistic in a way that I can't and will not describe. None of my dreams have involved the Midnight Man, but I can't help but feel like I lost. We shouldn't have shared the same salt circle, because that was never verified as workable in the rules. I shouldn't have blown out my fucking candle myself, even if I was in the circle. The circle was, as said, barely a circle. How the hell have past players managed to do a circle in the dark? I don't know if I'm being tormented or if I'm paranoid. Ryan and I spoke the next day, and he had a nightmare as well. But his had to do with drowning and being resurrected and drowning again. I haven't spoken to him yet, so I don't know if he had another bad dream tonight. So, what we're taking from this story... Yeah, don't do it. Because the way that he is describing his dreams afterwards and Ryan's dreams afterwards... It's like their worst fears are being played to them because they lost the game. I don't like that. Yeah. Luckily, uh, this Redditor did seem to evade capture narrowly, and um, they did, thankfully, stop having nightmares. But I have one more story for you. (laughs) Oh, no. Another Reddit user was just as lucky. They also deleted their user handle, like I said before. So this user prefaces this whole post saying that they decided the best place to play this game was at their grandfather's abandoned house pretty much in the middle of nowhere. They said that outside the house was hella creepy and had plenty of those outdoorsy sounds. Like, you know, come to my house, you'll hear that. They go on to describe the house, but I'm going to leave that out because it's not really relevant. The post then continues... After my first update, I went into the house with my summoning regent in hand. Upon reaching the steps, something felt completely unnatural and insane, like I had just passed into the twilight zone. Being an extreme skeptic, I passed it off as my mind playing tricks. A furry critter existed underneath the boards because I heard rustling and squeaking when I began my ascent 
up the steps towards the entrance. Something occurred to me. The house must be infested with varmints. <laughs> varmints? <laughs> varmints! The door was unlocked, but on two loose hinges, so it took significant force to open it for my body to fit through. I entered, and I felt brushing fur against my legs, and I was horrified. No! I nearly dropped my regents for summoning the spirit. You must understand that when you enter a dark, wretched house and something brushes against your leg, it's a fucking horrifying... Oh, it is fucking horrifying, especially with the fact that you are defenseless to whatever the horror is lurking among the shadows. Hmm, maybe don't do that. Maybe don't. don't. It was pitch dark and terrifying in the entrance area, so I immediately lit my small candle and looked down to see an uncountable number of rats. Ooh, no, no. I screamed, but I kept my wits and scared off the rats by stomping on the ground around me. Stomp, 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 stomp. The rats almost made me turn and run out of that house. If I was scared of rats, how could I challenge the midnight man? I needed mm, to grow some- thought, don't. Yes, first thought, absolutely do not. I needed to grow some balls and press forward. I set up the regions on the door while looking behind me for anything wishing to harm me. You know, like rats. The house was very familiar to me. I took- I first took steps into the den because I was curious what was left behind. Um, from what was visible, I could see everything intact with its own decor of dust and feces. Vintage chairs and even a grand piano were still where it was left. Interested in the piano, I went over with the intention of playing Moonlight Sonata, but not without chirping and squealing coming from inside the piano at the oh first note. God. <laughs> I backed away in shock and continued on my journey throughout the house. When I reached the kitchen, I felt coldness swiftly come over me. I was decked out in arctic garb, and yet it felt immeasurably cold. A mm. cold I could only describe as shrill, chilling, and completely unnatural. I don't know if the coldness was my mind playing tricks, but it felt completely real. I didn't dare to look in the pantry. I had enough rats to last a lifetime. The smell in the kitchen was unbearable. I held my hand to my nose the whole time. I felt fortunate that there were open vents in the form of broken windows throughout the kitchen, for if there was no moving air, the smell would be enough to knock any human out. Continuously, I felt watched, and I feared it wasn't only the rats. What really freaked me out about the kitchen was on the island, among the plates and silverware, was a dish. And not only a dish, but the dish my grandfather used to greet me with cookies. I knew this because it had vibrant colors and little animals on it. It felt as if I was visiting the house as a child and my grandfather was expecting me. The wind howled and screamed through that throughout the kitchen, as I described it, like harpies. Gotta I was love si some harpies. Love me some harpies. I was sick of the putrid kitchen, so I exited to a hallway, which I remembered led to my grandfather's room. I felt around the sides of the hallway and steadily made my way down to my homely grandfather's room. Suddenly, it became cold. Colder than ice, firmly clenched in your fist. I felt naked in an arctic wasteland and completely unprotected and vulnerable. In an instant, something appeared uh, in a doorway. I've seen this episode of Naked and Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 appeared in the doorway, completely human and yet inhuman, but it soon went out of vision, so I dismissed it 
as just a simple illusion. Nope. I continued to walk and reach the doorway in an instant. I looked at the bed. In shock, I saw what I feared the most and ran for my life. What I saw on March 6, 2011 in the bed was the manifestation of dismal evil. It seemed malicious and eager to beat me at his game. (laughs) I saw on the bed a shadowy, humanly figure staring at me with the ungodly, empty eyes of my worst nightmare. The figure seemed to be lying down and remained there just staring with unblinking eyes. In shock, I acted foolishly, dropped my candle, and ran for my life. Oh my god. I can only describe what I saw with this picture. I did not look at the picture because it was really late when I was writing this and I was like, I don't want nightmares. So, just imagine, super creepy, just a staring apparition. I'm shivering as I type this because I do not know if what I saw was a figment of my imagination. I hope it was. The heat emitted from my body helped counter the temperature which now felt like the absolute zero. Acting like a madman, I swiftly groped the sides of the walls covered in cakes of dust and wet splotches, which led my way up the creaking grand stairs to my old childhood room, where I felt most protected, and spread salt around myself to ward off whatever I saw. Without light, the only thing I could depend on was table salt. I dared not move in the pitch darkness, and I stayed there for the duration of my time in the house. My eyes adjusted to the darkness, and... The paintings of cartoon animals on the walls were perverted in my eyes to seem demented. They are trying to use fairly flowery language. They but are. It just seems disjointed. It does seem disjointed. So what I'm gathering from that sentence is maybe the Midnight Man is playing a making trick on their brain. Yeah. yeah, making them hallucinate things because it said in my eyes seem demented. Uh, In my state of mind, everything seemed to be obscured in some way. I could picture the Midnight Man standing in the corner of my own childhood room, staring with beady eyes, and just waiting for me to leave the safety of my circle so he can overcome me. Of course, I couldn't see it because of the darkness, but I could just feel his presence. I sat in my huddled makeshift defense backed against a wall for the rest of my stay, and at 3.33, I booked out like any sane person would and drove to whatever I could call safe. Any sane person wouldn't have gone into an old house full of rats and played a game with a demon. Demon, yeah. From this experience, I can honestly preach to never try this, especially at a house, which would fuck you up on a normal night. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever happened in that house was possibly my mind's doing, but my memories are so vivid, I have no idea what to think of it. I theoretically passed the Midnight Man's test, even with a direct encounter... Uh, with what I think was him. I just wish I didn't run out of my parents' room when I saw him. I guess I overestimated my fear factor. I feel proud of myself for doing it, and it will be a good story to tell friends. I can only describe my experience like being stuck in the middle of a Lovecraftian fiction. Okay. If any of you ever attempt this, I warn you to never play it in an abandoned house in the middle of nowhere. Which, no shit. I urge you to not play. Yes. So, while these two experiences are super mild in comparison to what they could be, don't try this at home, kids. I also feel the need to mention the entire reason I know about this game is first and foremost because of an episode of And That's Why We Drink that I listened to, um, I think, a year and a half ago. I don't remember this at all. M just barely mentioned it. M did a story on a whole bunch of uh, games that could kill you. But also because of a movie that I watched on Prime called The Midnight Man. Um, Not a very good movie, but it was okay and (laughs) worth watching. 
Through my research, I also found out there's another movie titled The Midnight Game that I actually do have to watch now. And the last bit before I am done with the story, please, please, please don't play this game. Oh, man. Uh... (laughs) Right? Mm. Right. Creepy. So, yeah. uh, Next M-E-S-S episode, I might cover another killing game. Mm, That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, I have a prop for mine. You have a prop? I do. Prop. So we started these episodes because there were things that we couldn't cover that weren't based on, like, places Mm -hmm. and were just really random. And I was struggling to choose what I should do. And (laughs) I was just sitting in my room one night and I looked over and I was like, what's the history on that? (gasps) Gargoyles. Yes. Besides the TV show (laughs) Gargoyles. Oh, that's included, too. Um, so I'm doing gargoyles and grotesques. Ooh, and grotesques? Yes. Which because include? I assume you'll, you'll cover see. that? Okay. So my sources are a scholarlyskater.com, Wikipedia, 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 ancientorigins.net, mental floss, folklore Thursday, Halloween artist bazaar, and Atlas Obscura. Alrighty. So gargoyles and grotesques. Yeah. Uh, we all have the typical, you know, gargoyle image in our heads, like beast-like, mm-hmm. slightly humanoids yeah. made of stone with like monstrous wide open mouths and huge wings, some with a pointed tail and sharp horns or talons, like similar to demons. Mm-hmm. But technically that's not a gargoyle. No. That is a grotesque. Tell me so, more. <laughs> Most people don't know the difference between the two, and that's fine, because to be honest, a lot of people seem to use the words interchangeably, mm-hmm. but gargoyle's just more popular. It's interesting to see, like, the difference between how they were originally created and viewed and how we think of them now, and I'll start with a gargoyle for now. Um, oddly enough, And I'm very mouths... curious, what does a gargoyle look like? So, their mouths are open... Because a gargoyle is really just a water spout. <laughs> They're really just decorative gutters here. <laughs> this right here. Yeah. See how it's coming off the building? Yes. And how its mouth is open? Yes. That's a gargoyle. Okay. It does look like a gargoyle. But that's just, that's not the only type of gargoyle. Here we go. <laughs> Do you see it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dragon with a crown. Yeah, it's, it's literally just a water spout. Also, there's this guy over here. Oh, yes. I like the alien there. Yes. But, um, yeah, those are gargoyles. Okay. Uh, so they have many names all over Europe. The Italian call them Gronda Sporgente, Sporgente, which means protruding gutter. In German, it's called Wasserpier, which means water spitter. And in Dutch, it's water spewer, which means water vomiter. <laughs> but the word really derives from the French gargoy, okay. meaning gullet or throat. Mm. This comes from the legend of La Gargoy. The uh, It was a dragon that was said to have terrorized the town of Rouen. Anyway, according to legend, the dragon was known for sinking ships, breathing fire, and spouting so much water from its mouth, it caused flooding in the area, and once a year the dragon would arrive and demand that they hand over a virgin maiden. Okay. The townspeople got tired of this, and then a priest named Romanus arrived around 600 BCE. He made a deal with them. 
If he could subdue the dragon, the townspeople, who were pagan, would help build his church and convert to Christianity. They didn't think he could do it, so they're like, whatever. Whatever, dude. Apparently, he found and confronted La Gargouille, and using the sign of the cross and other Christian powers, he subdued the dragon, led it back to the town on a leash where the townspeople burned it at the stake. Aww. But... The neck and head didn't burn because it was a fire-breathing dragon and the skin and scales ha- had toughened to withstand fire. So, the townspeople mounted its throat and head on the church as a symbol of victory over evil, and when it rained, water came down the roof and through the dragon's head and out of its mouth, away from the building, thus inspiring gargoyles. But that's also really sad because he brought the dragon in on a leash like a pet. And then they burned it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Poor dragon. Poor dragon. So, similar to how the snakes St. Patrick drove from Ireland were really pagans, I think this is more about converting pagans to Christianity by spreading the belief that Christian beliefs held more power. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, probably not even accurate. And there's a theory that the creatures depicted by gargoyles are holdovers from pagan religions that predate Christianity in Western Europe and were placed on the outside of churches to make new converts more comfortable. But whether or not that's true, there is a dragon carved on the exterior of the cathedral in that town where it can be seen to this day. Okay. So I think that's interesting. That is interesting. Fun little tidbit. Some gargoyles were depicted as monks, combinations of real animals and people, like harpies and griffins, and some were just meant to be funny. Mm Mm-hmm. And... They actually came from ancient Egyptian architecture, and they were usually typically in form of a lion's head. And there are similar lion-mouthed water spouts that are also seen on Greek temples, like carved or modeled in marble or terracotta. There are actually 39 remaining lion head water spouts on the Temple of Zeus. Wow. Yeah. Originally had 102 gargoyles or spouts, but because they were made of marble and were so heavy, a lot of them snapped off and had to be replaced. So, how is a gargoyle different from a grotesque? Only difference is that grotesques aren't constructed as a water spout. That they only serve, like, ornamental or artistic function. So, they can be either called a grotesque, chimera, or boss. There are also regional variations, like hunky punk, which is a short squatting figure (laughs) they put up on buildings. There's (gasps) Sheila Nagig, which is a carving of a naked woman displaying... She, she's, like, pulling open her vagina. Yeah. Yep. And then the shachihoko, which is an animal in Japanese folklore with the head of a tiger and the body of a carp. And a mascaron, which is honestly the scariest. It's really just a face, sometimes human, that's frightening and animalistic. Just, like, I saw one that was just completely contorted and creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the grotesques we like to think of, though, are the more bat wings, wide, snarling faces and more chimera-like. Yeah. But something interesting that author Lester Bridaham wrote that the sculptors of the Gothic cathedrals in the 12th and 13th centuries were tasked by the Pope to be a preacher in stone to the people who were illiterate in Europe at the time. Wait, Which was what? a lot of people back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're a preacher in stone. So the grotesques during this time portrayed stories of the Bible as well as, like, beings and animals that were popular in folklore. Okay. So they were meant to tell stories for the people who couldn't read. So I'm just trying to think of the grotesques that I've seen in my life. 
Not so a lot of tell these, a story. I know. A lot of these were mainly inside churches. Oh. Most of them, though, were, like, once they became gargoyles, in addition to being spouts for water, the gaping mouths of the gargoyles apparently showed the fearsome destructiveness of these legendary beasts and reminded people that they needed the church's protection. Another use of the gargoyle was to illustrate evil through the form of gargoyle. So, like, similar, but it was also a sort of thing where they would ward off evil. Okay. Which is how most people think of them now. Yeah. There's another theory that says that they were just used to illustrate pagan beliefs or to reflect the cultural history of the community. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, they were on the inside of churches and other places that weren't churches. Like, gargoyles grotesques really were erected in graveyards and gardens to protect against spirits and as a constant reminder to sinners. It became common practice to place a gargoyle spout in one's personal home or garden, and some of these personal gargoyles or grotesques were to emulate (laughs) the protections offered by the church. Mm -hmm. Except some of them were used to preserve pagan imagery and themes, and a lot of stoneworkers would carve faces of deceased loved ones or relatives into gargoyles to honor them. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Not everyone liked them, though. Yes. There's some people who said that representations of paganism and evil shouldn't be inside or outside a church, but that wasn't the only issue with them, as the church became more heavy-handed and the gargoyles started to take on more, like, frightening depictions Mm -hmm. of demons and monsters in order to remind sinners that only the church was our salvation and reminding them of what sinners had waiting for them in hell. So, yeah, eventually people mm. began to feel they were too evil-looking, and the use of demonic imagery in a church was inappropriate. But Which, on hospitals. Mm. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> um, a lot of the original gargoyles were removed and replaced by decorative animal imagery. That's probably one of the reasons why the ones that we see now, the ones that you've seen, don't mm-hmm. depict any stories. of those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, grotesques in personal gardens fell out of favor, and the use of stone lions replaced them as protectors, which is why you see them all over the place. We have three. Yes. In 1724, the London Building Act was passed by Parliament of Great Britain that made the use of downpipes compulsory in all new construction because some people found gargoyles frightening and because sometimes heavy ones fell off, causing Mm -hmm. a lot of damage. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, yeah. Now I want to talk about gargoyles as we know and love them and how they came to be. (gasps) The TV show. (laughs) Actually, it's a whole thing. There's a lot of things. The first, I'll get into it. Um, Okay. So, because this isn't the first time that popular media has changed how people think of a part of history or a mythical creature. And I mean, it won't be the last, but I just think it's so interesting. So, like, when gargoyles and grotesques were being added onto churches and other places of worship... None of them were thought to be anything more than a symbol or a sculpture, like a hunk of rock. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until recently that they were thought to like, to be slightly similar to golems in that they're thought to be magically animated um, and have the ability to prote- like physically protect people or a building. Mm-hmm. And also in some media, they're thought to be vessels for demonic possession. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 I actually found a list of gargoyles in books and media, and I thought there would be more somehow. Seemingly the earliest use of gargoyles as legitimate supernatural creatures or anything, or something used in that sort of way, was the 1908 children's book, 
Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, which featured a land of the gargoyles. Okay, I've got to read the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, The notion of gargoyles as demonic vessels was introduced in The Horn of Vapula by Lewis Spence in 1932, Mm -hmm. in which a demon familiar is bound to a horned and goat-like gargoyle. Also in 1932, big year for gargoyles, the short story Maker of Gargoyles by Clark Ashton Smith was made in which a man named Raynard, a medieval stonemason, unconsciously infuses his hate and lust into two gargoyles that attack a town and later kill him when he attempts to destroy them. Okay. In 1942, Fritz Lieber wrote The Conjure Wife, in which a dragon sculpture is animated by a witch sent to kill an archaeology professor. Something something tells me the, all of these people were, like, huge history nerds. Oh, definitely, for, for sure. In May of 1962, the first gargoyle, Yuri Topolov, appears in The Incredible Hulk number one. So there's even a Marvel superhero <laughs> gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this eventually led to gargoyles being featured in a Doctor Who episode in 1971 titled The Daemons. The Daemons. Yes, The Daemons. It seems like gargoyles just kept getting more and more popular, and the next year, gargoyles came out with the... <laughs> the gar- gargoyles movie <laughs> came out in which there are demon... Like, they're not, like, gargoyles. They're demons, they're demons. from Native American folklore, which sounds wrong. <laughs> I mean, it is wrong. And of course, I can't forget, in 1974, the gargoyle is one of the first monsters introduced in the earliest edition of Dungeons and Dragons, where they were described as a reptilian bipedal beast, chaotic in alignment, obviously. Chaotic in alignment. (laughs) Obviously. But then gargoyles were featured in one of the most popular films ever, Ghostbusters, where they're Mm. possessed by demonic spirits of Zulu and Vince Clortho. So... The notion of a friendly gargoyle was actually first created by the Disney show Gargoyles Gargoyles. in 1994, uh, in which a species of nocturnal gargoyles turned to stone during the day. And after spending a thousand years in an enchanted, petrified state, the gargoyles, who have been transported from medieval Scotland, are reawakened in modern-day New York City and take on roles as the city's secret nighttime protectors. Mm. So, I actually read that there might not have been gargoyles in Scotland at the at the time that they were, like, supposed to be there. I believe there. that. So, I believe that. Um, I did find something about a castle that had gargoyles, but I couldn't find a lot about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to look at yes. it when we yes. go to Scotland. We will. There's also a video game adapta- adaptation and a spin-off comic series that released in 1995 based on of this. Of course. So. It's Disney. Yeah. And, of course, who can forget Disney's A Hunchback of Notre Dame that came out in 1996 with... Yep. Hugo, Victor, and Laverne, who emotionally help Quasimodo. Yep. Which is extra interesting because the most famous gargoyles you can think of are Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And they Notre weren't Dame even doesn't added. have any. Yeah, they do, but they weren't oh, added they until the 19th century as part of a renovation. <laughs> so they wouldn't have been there at the time For of the story yeah. set. Yeah. No. Yeah. And quite possibly, I think the oddest one is from the third season of the TV series Riverdale, which features a monstrous antagonist known as the Gargoyle King. Which season was this? Three. Oh, I haven't watched that far. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, before this, there were gargoyles in The Return to Halloween Town. Yes. That were protecting the school, but weren't really protecting the school. Yep. They were... They were helping the bad dudes. So, some facts before we go. During the restoration of the Chapel of Bethlehem in the early 90s, sculptor Jean 
Louis Boistel decided to replace the building's crumbling gargoyles with a few pop culture icons, which included Gizmo from Gremlins and another Gremlin from the movie, and Alien Xenomorph, which is that alien we saw earlier, and a robot from a popular anime UFO robot Grandizer? I've never heard of this. I have no idea what it is. Sorry. Never heard of it either. Back in the 80s, everybody knows this one. I feel like uh, the Washington National Cathedral held a contest for kids to design the newest gargoyle. And this was right after the Star Wars trilogy, of course. So 13-year-old Christopher Rader proposed Darth Vader. And he won. So in 1986, they put him up on the church's cathedral on the dark side north wall. Which I think I love. It's still there and it's hard to see, but you can see it. And lastly, very interesting, there was a wave of like, uh, like a revival in America of gothic architecture. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh actually features more than 20 authentic gargoyles and hundreds of grotesques. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of them are featured in the city's downtown Dragons tour run by the History and Landmarks Foundation. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really funny. Let's not forget about the giant grotesque that is sitting in front of Waverly Hills. As it I've never visited protect. Waverly Hills, so I did not know that. Yeah. Let me show sure. you a picture. There he is. Think, oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, he's kind of creepy looking. That face. It'd be fun if it wasn't for that face. Right. But yeah, I wanted to do it because this guy's been part of the family for a long time. For so long. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. If you all enjoyed that. If you didn't. If you didn't, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths Misfortune, or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. You can also send us an email to MythsAndMisfortunes at gmail.com, and please check out our website, MythsAndMisfortunes.com. Do it. Our theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. And please rate, review, and subscribe on any and everything. Everything. Please do it please please yes uh we really appreciate it uh that's all i got (laughs) yeah and thanks so much for listening yes thank you bye goodbye